Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W-A-B-E in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Smokey Robinson was present at the creation of Motown Records, that is. In fact, he's known as the king of Motown. At age 82, the man is full of vitality and does not seem to be slowing down. He still loves singing, songwriting, and performing in concert. Ahead of his October show in Atlanta, I had the thrill of speaking with Smokey Robinson. We'll listen back to that that conversation and hear stories about the earliest days of Motown with his mentor and friend Barry Gordy and the phenomenal impact of that music on our society. Later in the hour, we'll take in an exhibition of new ceramics on view at the Echo Contemporary Art Gallery. But first, we are almost finished with the year-end member drive, and we can end the fundraising successfully with your help. You can support an independent voice in journalism with a year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined this hour by City Lights music contributor and host of WABE Strike Up the Band, Dr. Scott Stewart, who has yet another reason for you to give. Yes, when you give right now to help fund programs like City Lights, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Perfect timing ahead of any holiday or New Year travel plans. You'll be entered into that drawing when you donate by calling 678-553-9090. You can also do that online at wabe.org donate. At the end of the year, we'd like to remind you of some of the stories we've been able to share with you on City Lights, like my conversation with John Lovett, the former staffer and speechwriter for President Obama and host of Pod Save America. He and his team did a live show at the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center in August. 
or when I spoke with the Atlantic comedian Catherine Blamford, and we talked about her appearance on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Stories like these took time, energy, and resources. Past donations help us produce them. Now we're looking for your help with a December gift to take us into 2023. It's easy to give at wabe.org slash donate online or by calling 678-553-9090. Thank you. Hi, it's Rachel Martin. NPR is available everywhere. And we mean everywhere. Ho, ho, ho. That's Nick. He listens a lot. Well, I listen to public radio at work and during my long commute. You might say Nick is listening. Well, all the time. It helps him write this list that he makes every year. You see, Rachel, most folks, just like the stories you hear, aren't naughty or nice, good or bad. It's complicated. On this NPR station... We present the facts that help Nick better understand what's going on in our world. Well, I gotta go. The reindeer are double parked. Dashers on Dancer, Comets on Cupid. It's a mess. We deliver truth and nuance year-round thanks to listeners like you who donate. Here's how to make checking our facts and checking them twice possible. You, you can give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678 678- Five five three ninety ninety. We're so glad we've got Rachel Martin in Morning Edition and Bill Curtis and Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. The news gives truth and nuance, and Wait Wait gives us the smiles, and that's actually how I get a lot of my news. <laughs> the uh, you'll get it all right here on ninety point one, and you can play a part not by just enjoying all the programming, but by supporting us. Please make a gift at wabe.org/donate or call six seven eight. Five five three ninety ninety. Thank you. There are many listeners subscribe as monthly donors. We understand if making a one-time gift is better for you. We appreciate that and welcome your gift. And with nearly 90% of our funding coming from the Atlanta community, your donation right now during City Lights is crucial. Your donation helps us pay for the programs you value. Thanks for your gift right now at wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. And remember, when you donate right now in these final hours of the fundraiser, your name is being entered into a drawing to win a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Please help support the programs you love with a year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Now, the name Smokey Robinson is synonymous with Motown. In fact, he's known as the king of Motown. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee was the match that lit the flame for the national rise of Barry Gordy's Motown records. Throughout his career, Smokey Robinson has written over a thousand songs, many of which were top 40 hits. This living legend still performs and tours. And when he was in Atlanta in October, 
Smokey Robinson joined me via Zoom. He began by explaining how he got the nickname Smokey. That goes way back to when I was about three or four years old. I, I was a cowboy fanatic. I loved cowboys at that age, and uh, especially the ones who sang, like Gene Archer and Roy Rogers and those guys like that who played the guitar and sang. And I loved them. And my uncle, my, I had an uncle, Uncle Claude. He's, he's gone now. But uh, he, was, he, he used to take me to see cowboy movies, and he would always take me to see you know, Gene Archer and Roy Rogers because he knew I loved the cowboys who sang. So he developed a cowboy name for me, which was Smokey Joe. So at that age, whenever anybody asked me what my name was, I told them Smokey Joe. That's my name. So everybody's called me Smokey Joe since I was three or four years old. With the exception of when I got to be about 12, they dropped the Joe off, and I've been Smokey. So that's how I got that name. And now it belongs to the world. In August of 1957, you met the famous songwriter and producer Barry Gordy. How would you describe that audition experience with your band, The Matadors? Oh, it was it was it was an experience for sure. You know, because when we went there, we went to audition for Jackie. W- Jackie Wilson was my number one singing idol as a kid, growing up, and he was also from Detroit. So his managers were in Detroit, talent scouting, and we got word of it, and we went to audition for them. And at that time, we had a girl in our group, Claudette, who was my ex-wife. We had a girl, she was in the group with us. And so we auditioned for them. And rather than singing songs that were currently popular by any other artist at that time, we sang five songs that I had written. And we thought that that would be a good end where they would say, well, these kids got their own material, so we will definitely record them. We were so wrong. They rejected us. They said they couldn't use us because we were like the Platters. There was a group called the Platters at that time. And they were the number one group in the world. And, and they had Zola Taylor, who was a girl in the group. And Tony was a high singer like me, you know. So they told us, they said, you'll never make it because we already got the platters and we don't need another platters. So you will never make it. However, at that audition, Barry Gordy was there. And I thought he was waiting to audition because I was about 17. And he looked like he was no more than maybe 20. And so he was, he was there. And I thought he was waiting to audition. He was there to turn in some new songs to Jackie Wilson because at that point he had written all the hit songs for Jackie Wilson, and I had all of Jackie Wilson's records, so I knew who wrote the songs. So he was there, and um, uh, after they rejected us, he came out and talked to me and wanted to know where we got the songs from, and he liked a couple of my songs, and we struck up a conversation. Then he, he you know, he, he started to manage the miracles in me, and about a year and a half later, uh, he started Motown. Mm. When did the Matadors become the Miracles? We became the Miracles after we had recorded our first record. Our first record was an answer record. There was a group called The Silhouettes, and they had a record all called Get a Job. So I wrote a song called Got a Job. (laughs) (laughs) So so we we went into the studio and recorded it, and we had to pick a name because the Matadors didn't work because we had a girl in our group. So we all put a name in a hat and shook it up, and I put the miracles in there, and somehow or other that came out. And so we put the names in the hat and picked the name out of the hat, and it was the miracles. So that's how we became the miracles. Oh, it's so much better a name, too. No killing animals. You know, it's just got a much <laughs> yeah. better vibe. Bob, All right. Bob Dylan has called you America's greatest living poet. And from everything I've read, Inspiration seemed almost 
immediate to you. You could write a song very fast. And am I correct, your first hit, Shop Around, was written in 20 minutes? Yep, it was written in about 20 minutes. I was actually writing it for another artist. Uh, we had an artist named Barrett Strong, and he, we had a hit record on him called Money, That's What I Want. You know, it's all the best things in life are free. Even so Barry wanted me to do an album on him, and I figured, well, you got money, so what do you do with it? You shop. <laughs> so so I wrote Shop Around in about 20, 20, 30 minutes, and I was very excited about it. I showed it to Barry, and he said he wanted me to sing it, so he convinced me to sing it rather than, rather than Barry. Thank God. Oh. It was the first million seller at Motown and our first number one record. When I became of age, my mother called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up now. Pretty soon you'll take a bride. And then she said, just because you become a young man now, there's still some things that you don't understand now. Before you ask some girl for a hand now, keep your freedom for as long as you can. Did Barry Gordy add to your creative process? I'm curious about advice he gave you about songwriting. Barry Gordy was my songwriting mentor. You know, when I first met Barry, I had a bunch of, I had a hundred songs in a loose leaf notebook that I've been writing since elementary school. And that, that day that I met him at that audition, he took me to a room on the side and he wanted to hear some more of my material. I must have sang... 15 or 20 songs for Barry at that time. Mm. And he never once said, okay, man, that's enough. I'm tired. And he just critiqued all of them. I could always, from the time I was four and five years old, I would write little poems because I could always rhyme stuff. My songs were all rhymed up, but I would have two or three songs in the contents of one song. And he, he showed me that. He said, because, you know, your first verse has nothing to do with your second verse, and your second verse has nothing to do with your bridge, and a song has got to be like a short book or a short movie or a short story that has a beginning and a middle and an ending that tie in together and give people material that, so they get one idea to work with. <laughs> so he, he, he was my songwriting mentor. The king of Motown, Smokey Robinson. We'll return with more from our October conversation in a moment. But first, this conversation with Smokey Robinson, that's an example of why you're here, Right for stories that matter. We can produce features like this with the support of Atlanta listeners like you. And right now, in these last days of the fundraiser, when you make a donation, you'll be entered into a special drawing. I'm Lois Reitzes, joined by City Lights music contributor, Dr. Scott Stewart. To tell you more about that drawing, Scooter, take it away. Thanks, Lois. And thank you to John in Brookhaven, Catherine in Atlanta, Juliet in Brookhaven, and Kathleen up in Marietta. So nice to hear from all of you, and thank you for your donations as our fundraiser is coming to a close. And remember, if you donate right now, you'll be entered into a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Please take a moment to give at wabe.org slash donate. You can also give by calling 678 678- 553-9090. And right now you have a very good chance of winning that gift card and plan your next vacation somewhere beautiful, like the Maldives or Banff. <laughs> they have a good 
music festival up in Banff, they don't do. they? Yeah. Uh, but you have to donate first. So come on. It will only take just a few minutes at wabe.org slash donate. I'm Faith Saley of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and Dunwoody, Georgia, here with a short comedic observation from Atlanta's very own Dad's Garage. Hey, did you guys hear about that Broadway musical that's coming to town? Oh, yeah, I heard about it. Uh, Lois was talking about it on City Lights. Oh, yeah. well, I was too busy listening to Lois. She was telling me actually about a new restaurant opening up. She was telling me about the coolest comedy club in town. Did you see her touchdown for the Atlanta Falcons? It was incredible. I heard she invented Ziploc bags. Do you yeah. remember when she fixed the 7585 bridge after it caught on fire? Well, she was holding it up with her own two arms. Yeah. Did you guys know that the Grady Curve used to be just one parallel line and she actually bent it? Wow, wow. she made the curve. She really knows everything about Atlanta. Like, she's been everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't move. Um, is Lois behind me? Yeah. She's behind you, too, uh, at the same time. She's everywhere. She has a sign that says, Donate? Oh, it must be for WABE. Oh, their fun drive. Yeah, they rely on listeners like us. I mean, guys, we got to get more Lois. Donate. Donate. Donated. Done. We love you, Lois. That fundraising moment was courtesy of Dad's Garage. And y'all, in the name of gender equality, I want to point out that moms also have garages. Hey, Atlanta, supporting WABE really is important, and it is so easy. Here's how. You can give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. That was so wonderful. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Dad's Garage and Faith Saley. It has been such a joy to share these wonderful stories over the air on WABE for the last 43 years. And during that time, maybe you learned about a new museum in the city or a restaurant in your neighborhood, about a concert you so enjoyed, or maybe you heard about an Atlanta-made clothing brand. Your financial support has enabled me to be a part of these meaningful conversations for the past 43 years. But in order to continue sharing these stories over the airwaves, we need you right now to please take a moment and give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678 Five five three ninety ninety. Thanks. Monthly donations help us better plan for the future, but maybe you can't afford or commit to a monthly donation right now. If that's the case, please just consider a one-time gift. We can assure you it will definitely make a difference at wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. With your urine gift to WABE, we'd like to send you one in return. Choose from any number of gifts, including the I Love WABE mug, the NPR Kids hoodie, or the new WABE tumbler. Choose what you'd like based on the level of your gift. See all the December thank you gifts for yourself at wabe.org slash donate. Thanks. And don't forget, when you make a donation now, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Wow, what an incentive. Please take a moment to give at wabe.org slash 
donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. If you are just joining us, we've been listening back to my conversation with the Motown legend Smokey Robinson. Here he explains the financial motivation behind Barry Gordy's start of the iconic record label. He wanted to start Motown because nobody... All the record companies he was putting us with at that time were not paying us. So he got tired of that. So he borrowed $800 from his family, and he started Motown. I, after a while, because we were just local, we were in Detroit, Flint, and Ann Arbor, just in Michigan, and we would distribute records there, and, and the records would be hits. And then he would have to go and put them with other record companies who were set up for international and national distribution. So th- that was happening. So nobody was really paying us. Those companies weren't paying us. So he decided to start his own record company. Now, after we had been in business for about maybe a year or so, I convinced him to go national. Uh. I told him we were getting ready to put out a record on Miracles of Me, and I said, hey, man, we might as well go national with this because nobody's paying it. We might as well take a chance ourselves nationally. And so that's what I convinced him to do. Okay, so that's what has gotten lost in translation from some of yeah. what's come down to us. Absolutely, um, and I know that. Motown was revolutionary in its role as a platform for black musicians and how they were received by the rest of the world. You were the vice president of Motown from 1961 to 1988. What did that mean for you as an artist? You know what, honey? Uh, I was there on the very first day of Motown. So when I became a vice president, when he, when he announced in 1963 that at a meeting, at a company meeting, that I was going to be vice president, it wasn't anything new to me. Because when we first started, there were only five people there, honey. There was Barry, his then-wife, Ray Noma, a lady named Janie Bradford, Brian Holland of Holland Dozier Holland fame, and me. So we did everything. We packaged up the records. We sent them out. We took them to the radio stations. We did everything. So by me getting a title, it didn't change my stuff that I was doing, you know, it just gave me a title at that point. But then officially my office became the office for inducting new talent. Ah, so you provided a role as a producer and scout in addition to your creative work and your performance. Yes. Okay. 
Motown was created during a high point of the civil rights era, and its music was meant to be inclusive for all Americans, so much of what makes it beautiful. In what ways do you think Motown advanced the civil rights movement? Because, Lois, we gave people a common love. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King came to Motown before he recorded the I Have a Dream speech, which was on Motown because he wanted to be on Motown, because he came and he said, you guys are doing with music what I'm trying to do legally and in all other ways. I'm trying to bring people together, and you guys are doing it with music, because we were. We were especially when we first started going to the South, you know, the, the audience would be separated. There'd be white people on one side, black people on the other side, or white people on the other side, black people on the other side, or vice versa and all that, and they weren't even looking at each other, basically, you know? And uh, so after they got in love, after they fell in love with the music, we would go back a year or so later, and we would see white boys with black girlfriends, and black boys with white girlfriends, and all the kids were dancing together, and they had a common love. Hmm. Motown gave people a common love. On the very first day of Motown, Lord, Barry sat the five people down, the four of us who were there with him, and he said, we are not going to just make black music. We're going to make music for everybody. We're going to make music for the world. We're going to make music that everybody can enjoy, and we're always going to have great beats and great stories. Mm. And that's what we set out to do, and thank God we accomplished it. Oh, you did. You have written songs for Everyone from Marvin Gaye to The Temptations to Mary Wells, to name just a few. Was it ever challenging for you to write for someone else's voice? No, 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 honey. I loved it because they were my brothers and sisters. I mean, we were growing up there together in, at Motown, and Motown was a family. I mean, the people said, well, the Motown family, they thought it was mythical, but it wasn't. Because we were not just stable mates, just people at a record company who knew each other. We hung out with each other on a daily basis. We went to each other's homes. We had picnics. We went to the movies. We went to dinner. We went bowling. We went everywhere together. So they were my brothers and sisters, and I knew them well. So when I wrote a song, when you hear one of my songs by one of those Motown artists, the first time, I have written that song specifically for that artist. My girl. Yeah, my girl, specifically for David Ruffin's voice, because I knew that he was in that group. And prior to that time, I had been using Eddie Kendrick to sing all the basic lead voices ah, for them, yes. because he had a high voice. But I knew David Ruffin's and Paul Williams were in that group, and they had great voices. So I wrote my girl for David Ruffin's voice. Never had any problem, any, well, it doesn't sound like you were capable of resentment, but you were never impatient about the songs of yours that other performers 
recorded or performed in public versus songs you wrote for yourself or yourself and the miracles to perform? No, I mean, as a songwriter, my, my, my goal is to write songs that everyone will sing. Okay. When the, when the young hip-hop artists and the young rappers first started coming out and they were sampling everybody's music, everybody couldn't even say, hey, man, aren't you mad you're sampling your music? No. Sample all of mine, please. Please sample all of mine because that says that even though you're a songwriter yourself and there are millions and millions of songs in the world, you loved one of mine enough to include it in your, in your work. Mm. And you loved it that much, so that's flattering to me as a songwriter. That's my goal as a songwriter. I want to write songs that people will sing forever, everybody. I want to be like Beethoven. You know, we're still playing Beethoven's music. You know what I'm saying? In yeah. fact, I listen to it. I, uh, in my car, I have a station called KUSC. Yes, And it sir. plays nothing but classical music. And sometimes I get in the mood. I only want to hear classical music. I've been listening to classical music for a week now, straight, without hearing anything else. And I love Beethoven's work and Rachmaninoff and Chopin and, 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 and all those people like the Brahms. And, see, so I want to be like that. Those, those composers composed those songs hundreds of years ago, and people are still hearing them. I am convinced they would have welcomed you. And you know what you're saying is what Duke Ellington believed. There's only two kinds of music. Good and everything else. Good and bad. Yeah, good yes, and absolutely. all the other stuff. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Anybody tuning in just now who doesn't recognize your speaking voice might think you are half of your age. At 82, it doesn't. I am, Lord. <laughs> It, it doesn't sound like you are slowing down anytime soon. I don't plan on it. Well, good, because you've got yeah. two new albums in the works and a yes. biopic coming out. How many great yeah. artists? I mean, Beethoven, Mozart, they didn't get to write their biopics. Do you know who will play your role? No, we haven't gotten that far, honey. Okay. Well, I had the privilege to see Ain't Too Proud on Broadway. I must say you were portrayed very well in that. Oh, well, thank you very we, much. Well, the Temptations are my brothers, and, you know, Otis is my brother-brother, you know. He's oh, the only original one left, yes. and I'm very happy for him that that play is so successful. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, the immortal Smokey Robinson from our conversation in October. You can hear our entire interview on our station website, wabe.org slash citylights. Coming up, we'll hear about the new group ceramics show at Echo Contemporary. But first... I'm Lois Reitzes. You're listening to City Lights. And in these final days of the fundraiser, we're asking for your financial support so we can end successfully. You are here for the arts and culture stories that matter. But we can do more together. That's where you come in. Please give online at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. I'm joined by City Lights music contributor, Dr. Scott Stewart, to give you yet another incentive to give. 
and that is that we are giving away a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. And Lois, I have to tell you, we've heard from Phyllis in Atlanta this morning. She's a sustaining member, which is an awesome way to give. She's been a sustaining member for several years and listens every day, enjoys the programming, and writes in that today is a happy day because it's um, uh, a day that she's been able to call and donate a little extra on top of her sustaining membership, and she doesn't mind. So, Phyllis, thank you for your generosity. We're so glad that you enjoy everything that WABE has to offer, and um, we're so grateful for um, listeners like you that, that give generously throughout the year. You are entered into the drawing, and you also can be entered into the drawing to win a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Just take a moment to give at wabe.org slash donate. You can also call us at 678-553-9090. Let's take a quick trip back down memory lane and look at a couple stories we've been able to share with you in 2022, like... The story we heard about the psychedelic wonderland in Buena Vista, Georgia, known as Pasaquan. We learned how Columbus State University is directly involved in the conservation of this seven-acre art compound. Or when we learned about the real Atlanta from rapper Amaretta the Great, and we discussed her single Sorry, not sorry. You might remember these stories from this past year. Now to move us into the future, we need your help. Please take a moment to give a year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thank you. It's that time of year when it's nice to connect with each other maybe especially with someone we haven't seen or talked to in a while. How about writing a letter? I'm Andy Tagle from NPR's Life Kit with some tips and tricks for putting pen to paper. First, grab your favorite pen, some nice stationery, or that souvenir postcard you've been holding on to. Second, be specific. Details paint a full picture and deepen your relationship with the recipient. Finally, be open. When you share your personal experience, you're inviting the same in return. Writing a personal letter can foster connection, boost your creativity, and, of course, brighten someone's day. At NPR and this station, we strive for those same goals every day by connecting with you. You can deepen that relationship and expand your community with a donation. Here's how to reach out. You can reach out online at wabe.org slash donate. Incidentally, when you give online, we love to get your comments. So it helps us kind of better shape our understanding of why you listen. So when you give, take a moment to write your thoughts in the comments field. Yes, comments can be given anonymously also. So please give a gift and leave your thoughts at wabe.org slash donate. And thank you so much. If a one-time gift is what works for you right now, we get it. Choosing the amount to give and how often to give, we leave that to you. For now, please remember your gift is how we pay for programs like City Lights. Help us continue to amplify the voices of Atlanta with a tax-deductible contribution online at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thank you.
When you include WABE on your gift list this December, we'd like to send you a thank you gift as well. Choose from an array of thank you gifts, including a subscription to the New York Times, the new Amplifying Atlanta mug, or the iconic WABE tote bag. Plus, your year-end gift will continue to power WABE through 2023. See all of our thank you gifts for yourself at wabe.org slash donate. Thank you. And remember, when you give right now, you'll be entered into that drawing to win this $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Thanks for making a shared investment in WABE. Your year-end gift matters, and it will make a difference at wabe.org slash donate. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. The transformation of water and earth, clay, into ceramics seems downright magical. Pottery grew out of the daily needs of life and evolved into an art form. Shine is an exhibition of new ceramics on view at the Echo Contemporary Gallery. Jessica Helfricht is the curator and owner of Echo. She joins me now via Zoom. Jessica, welcome back to City Lights. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here and a fan of yours in City Lights, so I appreciate the opportunity. Now, you have over 25 years of experience as a curator, arts administrator, and gallery manager. How did gallery owner and curator of Echo Contemporary come about? Well, it's really been a longtime goal of mine to own a gallery again. Way, way back when I was a young woman, I opened up a gallery in Birmingham called Bare Hands, and since then worked for a bunch of nonprofits and other retail galleries. So it was really a dream of mine to open up another retail gallery and the opportunity to work at Guardian Studios, which houses um, Echo Contemporary came about. And so I managed the studios there and then get to have my own gallery. And so it's been a great almost six months that I've been doing this. Would you explain how Guardian Studios, Echo Contemporary and Echo Street West are all connected? Yes, it's a little, it's in the building process right now. Echo Street West is a, a construction site right now, but you know, within the year, we'll have uh, 300 apartments and a huge office building, and there'll be work, play, restaurants, and bars, and it's got a Beltline connector. Echo Street West is 19 acres, and a lot of it is new building, but there's three buildings on the campus that they kept. One is Guardian Studios, one is Guardian Works, and one is the West Side Motor Lounge. But Guardian Studios has 30 studios that are centered around a gallery. And so they wanted to activate the space, get artists and creatives into the area. So they started with these studios and having a gallery to highlight local and Southeastern artists. The whole complex is on the corner of Donald Lee Holloway, and Northside Drive. Yeah. Now, for the Shine exhibition, why did you want to showcase ceramics? I'm a long, long time lover of ceramics, and I also make ceramic art myself. 
So over the years, I've always had a holiday show and Shine was the name of the holiday show I had at my first gallery, Bare Hands. And it just really focuses on functional art, art that people can give as gifts. I think it's really easy to give a functional piece of art to somebody, you know, they'll use a bowl rather than you might worry they might not like this painting that you bought them. So I feel like functional art is a wonderful way to support artists and give one-of-a-kind gifts. Does ceramics get full recognition as art when a piece is functional? I'm curious about the distinction between craft and art. Would you explain? I love that. I love that question. I think there's definitely fine art craft, if you will. And I think you're alluding to the fact that arts and crafts, crafts gets kind of downplayed a little bit, but there's tremendous skill in throwing ceramics. If anybody has ever tried it, you have an instant appreciation for a simple form. It's very, very difficult to, to throw pottery. And so I do believe that there's a fine line between maybe something that could be a country craft kind of kitschy to a fine art craft piece. And there's a wonderful gallery in town, the Signature Shop, that has fine art craft. And I think they've been open over 50 years, really incredible place. So I think it's, you know, your craftsmanship, your skill, your mastery of the medium really elevates artists that make crafts to a higher level. You know, there's incredible leather goods, incredible jewelry, incredible ceramics that I think when functional art is made, it does get downplayed a little bit because people use it every day. It doesn't, it's not held up on that high pedestal like a, like a sculpture might be. But I love using my friend Katie's mug every morning. It just gives me a special feeling to know that I know this person that made this or this is, you know, by hand is really important to me. Yeah, and function and beauty can intersect. hundred percent. So what will visitors to Echo Gallery see in this show? It's a beautiful, stunning show. They, the 12 ceramic artists share the main gallery, which is about 2,500 square feet with a painter, Arthur Price, who does these huge tapestry paintings that are based on myths and fables. So they kind of have this yesteryear feel to them. And so it kind of feels religiously kind of holiday-y sanctuary and then these 12 potters are all highlighted individually on groups of pedestals and so you can meander around there and then like I said we have 30 studios in the space and all of those artists have work outside of their galleries in the hallways and you can kind of see into their studio so you get to see an exhibit and then also 30 artist working spaces. Many of the artists featured in this show are women. Was that intentional or coincidental? So I didn't purposely pick all female artists, but I do feel like it's women's time to take the center stage and and shine. Most of the 12 artists that I chose, I know from around Atlanta, from either where I take a clay class at Arts Beacon or from working with artists in the ceramics program that's involved with Hambidge or at Mint, and that's all Atlanta emerging artists. So artists I've come across in the past 18 years that I've been here in Atlanta. Hmm. Jessica, cultures throughout history left documented evidence of their existence in their pottery. How does contemporary pottery reflect our culture today? 
What a wonderful question. There's so many ways that artists make their mark on pottery, you know, from the very simple of a, of a signature mark that you make on it. But also there's tons of artists that are literally drawing on the ceramic surface, doing portraiture of their dogs, of the people in their life. And I think that you can identify a lot of artists that have a distinct style of pinching a pot or a way of throwing a handle. But then there's also some ceramic artists are really interested in using Georgia red clay, or there's clay from different parts of the country that are mined. And maybe Native Americans out in New Mexico would use a certain clay body that they've always used from, from that area and from those from the earth there. So I do think, you know, if the anthropologist was to look at a piece of found ceramics, I think you could tell a lot about the artists and what they were thinking about and their methods and their process. Jessica Helfrecht, curator and owner of Echo Contemporary Art. The new group exhibition, Shine, is on view through January 7th. More information is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. It's time now for our series, Speaking of Art, where we hear from local visual artists in their own words. My name is Cameron Moore, also known as Yo-Yo Cam. I'm a character designer and mural artist and concept artist, and I'm based here in Atlanta, Georgia. I think that I learned to draw before I learned to write. And it's because I would see these interesting characters in TV shows and in video games and even on like cereal boxes and on billboards when I would ride around with my parents. I would just see interesting colors and characters and I always wanted to have this sort of connection with them. And I felt that trying to draw them out was my best way of doing so. Having a very colorful imagination, I always wanted to bring that imagination to a tangible form. I'm inspired by different comics I read, cartoons I watch, video games I play. I love the designs, I love the characters, I love the colors, and so I pull from these things whenever I'm drawing. But I'm also inspired by my life's experiences and just being able to go to new places and see new things and meet new people. These are all things that I pull from whenever it's time to create, you know, a new character, or a new wall. I always love to make some sort of connection while also making it visually appealing. I call Atlanta home because I was born and raised here. This is the only place I know to be home. It's got all of my family, or most of it at least. It's an amazing place. I've done a little bit of traveling and there's just no place on earth like Atlanta. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful city that has a ton of culture and style and flavor and some of the best creatives on planet earth. Atlanta has definitely influenced my art, but it was not necessarily through the city, but through its people. Because I work with a lot of other creatives on different projects, and through working with them, I get a bit of how they work and where they're, you know, where they're pulling inspiration from, how they're thinking, 
how they approach certain tasks artistically. And I incorporate these things, the things that I like into my own process. So Atlanta has definitely made its mark on me creatively through its creatives. Whenever I wanna go and see new artwork in the city, I first look at Atlanta's local galleries. So Cat Eye Creative, I see ABV Gallery, I see Mint Gallery, I see City of Ink Gallery. And it's because these shows are constantly in rotation with new artwork. I'd say at least once a month, the contents of the gallery change, the artists showing change, they have live events, live painting, and it's always just a great, great time going there. And you can see a lot of artists that are moving and doing things in Atlanta. Because whenever you go to the bigger museums, you'll see artists, but only a few of us, or it's only the most famous. But in the local galleries, you see a lot of Atlanta's everyday creatives, people who are really making Atlanta, Atlanta. That's the places where you'll see those artists. You can see my work at www.yoyocamart.com. You can also see me on Instagram at yoyocam. Social media is a little better to see the more everyday side of me for a more professional portfolio since you'll see more of that on the website itself. Atlanta artist and muralist Cameron Moore, also known as Yo-Yo Cam. Find out more information about him on our website, wabe.org. City Lights is what you're listening to on listener-funded 90.1. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're in the final days of the member drive and we're asking for your financial assistance to close out 2022 on a high note. With just a couple minutes left in the program, City Lights music contributor Dr. Scott Stewart is here with me to give you another incentive to donate. Yes. As part of our fundraiser, we're giving away a $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. That should certainly help with any holiday or New Year's travel plans. And we want to thank so many of you who have donated this morning. Thanks to Gavin from Decatur, where it's greater. Thank you, fellow Decaturite Gavin. And Shana from Marietta, Carrie in Atlanta. We've also heard from several folks in Lilburn, Peachtree City, more from Decatur and Atlanta as well. You're automatically entered into the drawing to win the $1,000 gift card from Delta Airlines. You can donate at wabe.org donate or call us at 678-553-9090. Hey, it's Mike Lean Duclef, Global Health Correspondent at NPR. Researchers believe that positive emotions can build like muscle. You can practice joy to experience more joy. It can be as simple as saying thank you to a loved one or the public radio station you rely on every day. Support the journalism you love. Give today. Give online, please, at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678 553 9090. 
We're going to wrap up soon. Special thanks to Dr. Scott Stewart for inspiring many of you to support WABE today. Scooter, thank you. Thank you, Lois. Remember when you give right now, your name is being entered into a drawing to win that $1,000 Delta Airlines gift card. Our producers are City Light Senior Producer Kim Drobes and Summer Evans, Janine Etter, Shelley Canavy is our engineer, Stacy Wiggins is all the support we could ever need from membership. Thank you. Thanks to all of you who have given so far. If you are among those who like to wait for the excitement at the end, we're almost there. And you could help us end successfully when you donate online at wabe.org or call 678 553-9090. Tomorrow, we will bring you a conversation with the delightful 30 Rock alum, Jack McBrayer. Won't you join us today and every weekday for City Lights on member-supported 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thanks to all of you who've donated. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.